This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of December 29th, 2018. Did you hear? AB InBev has brought sour beer to the U.S. Finally! DME's failure claims its first victim. Seltzer water wrap-up. And Whiskey Advocate's top whiskeys of the year. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser, And I'm Christopher Walker, and I don't see how she keeps it straight between each episode, reading it so fast. I almost <laughs> didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're, let's we're, just go ahead and start talking about some news. Yep, we're a man down, and we're going to go ahead and just soldier on. So, let's open this up with uh, a nice little controversy that started just yesterday and already closed. So, AB InBev posted through the Anheuser-Busch Facebook page... A big picture of a new Wicked Weed beer. Actually, it wasn't even a new one. It had been out, oh gosh, like seven years ago they had first released this one. It was, I think it's some kind of pear sour. Anyway, but uh, the text that they put with this picture said, After centuries of development in and around Belgium, sour beers have arrived in the United States. In addition to standard ale yeast, sour beers make use of wild yeast like Brettanomyces and Lactobacillus microorganisms that consume sugars to create uniquely tart, sometimes funky flavors. Often, heavy doses of fruit are added to these beers after they've gone through initial fermentation. And uh, that post has been deleted as of today when I tried to go grab it to uh, to source because <laughs> huh. the, the comments section was, I mean, so long. It, it was just people tearing tearing it apart and everyone's like oh well i guess all these breweries like jester king and just listing all the best crooked stave like all the best sour breweries like i, I guess you're here to save <laughs> us from all these fake sours and it's that's right no one ever brought anything sour or tart to these shores and beer before now yeah it's kind of insulting and it's what did we expect they were going to do with wicked weed exactly this but it's just it, we were waiting for the shoe to come down and it finally came down and then everyone pounced now, uh, a lot of people were speculating that they're going to take all that negative feedback that happened on the comments section of the post and try and turn it around and use it against craft. But then it's also funny, I really wish they hadn't taken the post down. I wanted those comments to reference because uh, other people were bringing up amazing points about how didn't, like, just pointedly saying to them, didn't you just uh, wrap up this, like, almost billion-dollar ad campaign with the medieval king? talking like making fun of craft beer and all this other stuff <laughs> yeah like I, I just don't get why they would even make the kind of claim i don't <clears throat> well i guess because they could say it to somebody and they're like yeah no they're totally not gonna know but but also the point that gets brought up is they knew the community would react this way and it's just yeah. free advertising here we are on our platform talking about it giving them airtime with it but it's uh, you could look all the way back to our impassioned, uh, or at least my impassioned, screaming when the buyout happened, and we had the uh, video show still going. 
You might be able to find that somewhere on YouTube of me just like ranting and yelling about it for like a half an hour. Because people felt very strongly about Wicked Weed. And then when they sold, it, people still felt very strongly, just swung just, those feelings in a different way. It's a nice pendulum of feelings. Yeah, and this is where it's going to come down to. So I guess, like, in the post, I can't remember which beer it was. So we're assuming they're saying, just showing, this is going to be the first beer we release nationally from Wicked Weed. Because it has been over, it's been, what, a year and a half? Almost two years since they bought out Wicked Weed? And we've not seen anything from it. Like, no one, like, everyone's just been shrugging their shoulders going, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with it. But I guess this is them probably planting the flag to say this is going to be the first beer that we're shipping nationally from Wicked Weed, and we're going to start cranking this stuff out. Yeah, I guess. And if, if, I don't know. It, it just, I, I, I want to make fun of them so much, but I know they're still just going to make money and nothing I say matters. Yeah, and it's... Am, am I going to be out there to buy it when it first comes out? Probably. like, Because I want to know, and I want to get... like, We have some friends who are true like Wicked Weed aficionados and that had had almost every beer they've done and just absolutely loved Wicked Weed. And it's kind of... This will be the... When we start bringing the... Does, what changed? Does it change? Yeah, I don't know. We... Like, I mean, I still went down to to the Funkatorium when I went to Asheville. <laughs> like, I'm sure a lot of people still do. I, so. It was very full. <laughs> and, like, you know, you're like, oh, this is ABM, but at the same time, like, you know, they haven't had time to ruin the beer yet. It's uh, the whole, this is ABM, but so is Bourbon County brand stout. <laughs> and we're, yeah. doing, we're doing a whole episode on that in, like, two or three days. <laughs> Fair. So you know, good beer is good beer, but still, it's like, just the trade. But you still they, feel dirty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. You feel, well, and it's it's the lying of it all too, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's, let's let's lift the mood a little. How about that? How about no? Oh. Yeah. No. Uh, we talked uh, we talked recently about <clears throat> about DME uh, diversified metal engineering. Catchy name. Yeah, uh, and how they, they ran into some trouble. We've got an article here from Brewbound saying nearly a month after Diversified Metal Engineering DME entered receivership, which is not a thing you want to enter, uh, Texas craft brewery that paid the Canadian brewing equipment manufacturer more than a million dollars in deposits is ceasing operations. Sure. Yeah, because they are. What happened was where they. Uh declared bankruptcy that company didn't just fold overnight anybody who had put money up front for any equipment is just out that money it's gone yeah so in a december 21st social media post big bend brewing company announced that it would suspend operations after oh pardon after six years and shutter its tap room effective december 31st Ooh. it also laid off 14 employees Wow. And we've got a quote here from the company that says, Now, due to a combination of unforeseen hurdles, building our San Antonio location, the challenging macroeconomic conditions affecting the investment in the craft beer sector, we find ourselves facing some tough choices. We had high aspirations and lofty goals. We did everything we could to achieve them. We want to thank everyone for all the tremendous amount of support over the past six years and remain hopeful that, uh, and are working hard to make the stoppage temporary. Uh 
but yeah, it, it kind of sucks for them. Uh, it, it says here the. It. I mean, we we were speculating that we would see this happen because there. I mean, all kinds of breweries and uh, upstart breweries had orders in for yeah. equipment, and the equipment would start their brewery or like they were they were expanding. And then this just completely cut the legs out from under them, and they could not continue on with the debt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the Alpine, Texas-based craft brewery, was one of hundreds of North American beer companies uh, that prepaid millions of dollars in deposits and were left in a lurch when they defaulted on loan payments to the Royal Bank of Canada, uh, when DME defaulted on those loans. Uh, DME owes more than $13.5 million to the Royal Bank of Canada and other creditors, including brewery clients and hundreds of employees. Coin-appointed receiver Alvarez and Marshall is now accepting bids for business uh, through uh, through January seventh of twenty nineteen. So yeah, said they about a year ago they hired them to build more than a million dollar in equipment for the new facility, including a brew house, fermenters, chiller, boiler, and silo, which they paid for in full. And then uh, according to them, there's still a shot that uh, Big Ben receives some of its equipment. Uh, they said a member of uh, DME's in, uh, interim team recently told her that some equipment was being prepared to ship mid-January, although she wasn't given an itemized list. They will also be again charged for shipping. <laughs> so that's when I just show up down there with some trucks, and I just go in the warehouse and start taking crap that I don't need. <laughs> yeah, like this... Oh. You hate to see this hit the industry, but it was... I mean, the writing's been on the wall, and these kind of things were coming, and it's getting yeah. it's getting worse because we had uh, what was it the big aluminum can manufacturer uh, on the East Coast? They were the largest in North America. Had to shut down after the uh, steel tariffs hit. Right. Well, and you know, this was this started with them. You know, they were trying to expand to a San Antonio facility, and because of this, they had to shut all this stuff down and they're waiting for another new investor to come back on uh, so they can try to get stuff built and get everything set back up. Uh, uh, there's also uh, in other DME news, the, com- uh, the company's South Carolina based subsidiary uh, accent stainless steel manufacturing group, uh, group closed the fo- uh, following Thanksgiving holiday mm. and subsidiaries, not employees were laid off and the employees say they are owed thousands of dollars in back pay after checks deposited into their accounts didn't clear. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So, it's not just breweries that are being affected by it either. It's the employees. Yeah, the employees of the for the of DME and its subsidiaries. Yeah. Ouch. So it's and, so I think it was Casey who had brought this up so many times, but. Um, what a lot of these breweries you're seeing are smaller breweries trying to make the expansion and jump into regional breweries and the size and equipment you need for that is like it's you're putting up substantial money that you don't really have and so if something like mm-hmm. this happens you're sunk you're done for yep and you know they're looking for for more investors but with this kind of issue and with the, the craft beer market kind of going as it's going, it's likely they're not going to find any any new investors right now. So, yeah, uh, investors are turning away. So I would not I would not hold hope for that because of what Green Flash. How long did it take them to find some? Uh, they found an investment group, and then that group still sold it after coming. Oh, we're going to save you. We're going to save you. Now we're going to sell it. Hmm. <laughs> and yeah. now there's brand new owners all around trying to turn Green Flash around, which. 
I Funny you mentioned Green Flash because uh, the uh, company uh, Big Bend had uh, previously received minority funding from a group of investors that included Dylan Bates, manager of WCIPA LLC, the holding company that acquired mm. Green Flash via the foreclosure. Nice. But since he has that now, he is no longer <laughs> an investor in Big Ben. Yeah. So, just a rough year. <laughs> yeah, really. Not not shaping up good. That uh, end of year episode sounded more and more depressing. Maybe, maybe there's something, some good news this year. Would it be in the Brittany Walker, was it Memorial? So the Brittany Walker Memorial Seltzer segment. <laughs> Goodness. <sighs> you don't have to be dead for there to be a memorial. I that just feels not right. <laughs> uh, but yes, so uh, it's an article on sales for seltzer water. So this is essentially the year in review of seltzer water, <laughs> the, the the wrap up. Um, so with a growing number of uh, variations, including flavored seltzer waters like Lacroix, alcoholic. Does- uh, sorry. Quick question: Does the can of Lacroix actually burst like that every time you open it? Like that shows in their little video at the beginning, or is that just? Does it just explode? Uh, feels. Or is like that it. just if you handle it improperly? It feels like it. Uh, last few cans of the the Kroger brand I've opened have just gone everywhere. Uh, That's what she said. <laughs> uh, so um, anyway, uh, alcoholic versions like the White Claw Hard Seltzer. And even caffeinated variants like highball, uh, sparkling water sales are booming. Americans will buy approximately 821 million gallons of sparkling water this year, nearly three times as much as in 2008. Damn millennials. um, (laughs) According to data from Beverage Marketing Corp. Yeah. Barely. No. And it's when, when my wife is suddenly messaging me, I think, I think I really like rose gold now. I'm like, you damn millennial. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I hate myself, so. Uh, (laughs) Much like a millennial. uh, So it never ends. They're ruining everything. Um, (laughs) They're ruining (laughs) self-hate. Okay, so so, yeah, sales of non-alcoholic variants totaled $2.7 billion in the U.S. And uh, in the year that ended June 30th, outpacing fruit juice sales, which totaled $2.5 billion. Uh, which Ooh. is still also crazy. Uh, hard seltzers sales are yeah, steadily growing. Start also, the, I was gonna say sorry, but you don't start the morning with a uh, uh, with a uh, you know pouring a, a, <laughs> a glass of, of sparkling Lacroix to go with your you know bacon. I mean, you could, I guess. Uh, mm. Maybe you're not into milk. Who knows? You know. Um, See, hard seltzer sales are also steadily growing. Uh, in the year ending July 14th, sales totaled $295 million, up from $106 million the previous year, and $11 million just two years ago. Uh, this is according to the Wall Street Journal. Hard seltzer is gradually catching up with beer, now representing close to 10% of all flavored malt beverages sales in the U.S. Beverage producers and VCs are uh, pouncing on the trend. So PepsiCo announced last week it was acquiring SodaStream for $3.2 billion, while data from PitchBook shows that more than $152 million has been invested in sparkling water companies in 2018 alone. That's more yeah. than was inve- invested in 2016 and 17 combined. 
I I want there to be a sparkling water, a seltzer water company called Soda Sopa. <laughs> Jeez. So, no, this is, it makes complete sense. And then, I mean, this is such a thing right now that we even saw the Brewer Association start to change the definition for a craft brewer. And because you, make, you have to be making X, it used to be in the term, you had to be making X amount of uh, beer versus other things. And now they've said, no, it's like the malt beverages category, which is what a lot of this sparkling hard stuff is classifying mm-hmm. under. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, you that's fine. And they're like, you can make whatever, as long as you make a portion of beer. Right. Yeah. And that's because, you know, Boston beer is making lots of money now yep from their uh uh from their beer uh, from their seltzer categories and whatnot remember so. how crazy it was just a couple of years ago when we were looking at uh there was the onset of this it wasn't the hard seltzer stuff yet that wasn't around but we were talking more about like the hard root beers and hard sodas yeah hard sodas were a huge thing i think the water they has were, really overtaken that now yeah they were coming in what? hard and then it's just Died. Yeah, they were. No, the, that segment just died, and this hard seltzer and stuff just blew past everything, and is basically doing what craft beer did a few years ago when they're like, I don't know, it just keeps like these numbers aren't slowing down. It's just going to go through the roof, and it's a yeah. sure bet to be getting into that business. It's like it's a sure People, bet to be getting into the cannabis business, and then everyone's going to hit that ceiling and go, oh, maybe it's not a sure bet. Yeah, well, and people are trying to get. You know, they're wanting less sugar because they want to try to be healthier and can't sugar, get healthier drinking, <laughs> drinking hard uh, uh, drinking hard sodas. But you can get healthier drinking hard seltzer water. Well, probably not, but they can pretend that they are. And it's not just the hard seltzer water. I mean, it was talking yeah. about LaCroix and yeah. you know, the, the soda stream thing where, where you can essentially make your own. So, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not at all surprised by that. Getting Hallie. some of that hop, getting some of that uh, uh, hemp water too. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said hop water, which I would. I was like, all right, yeah. That's if you just, had hop tea. Hop water isn't that just like Coors Light or something? No, that's that's a no. brand of some kind of water. I've I've never had it. I've seen it on shelves. No, no, I was actually just talking about like making like hop tea. Oh. oh. Eh. Well, I mean, you mean the actual hop tea is in brewing or? No, like like some t- like you take tea oh, and the, you take make, hops and make you make tea. tea. A lot of the tension teas and like sleepy time stuff have hops in them. Mm. Like I, apparently it's like I'm, calming. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm already calm and ready to go to bed. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> you just say sleepy time. I'm like, mm, all right. That may have more to do with the fact that I'm just always tired. Could be. Yep. <laughs> That's our <laughs> life now. I don't even have a screaming child. Mm. As I look down, I'd be like, is he, uh, is he okay down there? Okay. I said, you know what I wish I had? Whiskey? One of these 20 whiskeys. Mm, yes. So Whiskey Advocate has released their list. And, you know, a lot of listicles at the end of the year. We've tried to spare you guys some of these. But, you know, some of them are too good to pass up. So the top 20 whiskeys of 2018. And let me just tell you, there are some surprises in this list. Uh-huh. And I can't say most of them. <laughs> Look, it's a good bet <laughs> if, it's a a pro- a, if it's Japanese whiskey or scotch, I'm going to have issues. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's start There's in. just a lot of weird letters in 
I've never heard of half of these. Yeah, that's kind of one of the things I'm wondering if they were just trying to reach past what everyone knows when it comes to whiskey and just be like, you know, everyone's overlooking these. They're making, you know, huge new, you know, there's there's been the the craft liquor craze that's been going up. So smaller distilleries coming up making quality product. Yep. So a lot of new faces. and then a lot of companies buying quality product from MG- yeah. <laughs> MGP. Yeah. A lot of quality product coming out of Indiana, apparently. Hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, oh, crap, we should have... I love that I always think of these things way too late. We should have brought that story. Uh, it got shared in our Discord a while back about how the rules uh, stipulating what is bourbon may oh, be yeah. changed this coming year. And uh, one of it is one of them is you have to designate... If it's bur- if it, you're gonna say it's bourbon, you have to designate its uh, state of origin. So as it stands right now, it can, if it falls under all the legalities and it is bourbon, then you don't have to say that it's. If it's from Kentucky, usually they'll say Kentucky, like they want to promote that. Mm. But you don't have to. So you get places like uh, bourbons coming out of New York or something, and they just don't. They don't have to put what state it's from. They just have to say, yeah, it's bourbon. Like you can go look up, and that tells you it's from the U.S. Blah blah blah. Well, now they're wanting to change that, so they have to say, no, this is bourbon, but it's from New York, or it's from, you know, Wyoming, or whatever. Because they probably want to distinguish what's in Kentucky and what's not. Part of it, yeah, they want to change the what's, ap- it's the appellation on it. So They they want to change from what's actually bourbon to what's, what's bourbon-inspired whiskey. Yeah, and uh, one of the other big changes they were going to make is um, all this uh, barrel-finished bourbon is not going to be considered bourbon anymore. So when they're taking bourbons and finishing it for like four months in sherry casks or something like that, that will no longer make it bourbon. Huh. Yeah, so that I, will, I, I could see that. Those, those I, will I, be I can whiskeys, agree with that. Just, those will be flat whiskeys. They will not be bourbons anymore. If this goes through, there is, there's going to push to change this, but nothing's, nothing's changed yet. Flat whiskey makes me think that it's like whiskey that's no longer <laughs> bubbly, and now I'm like, oh, whiskey pop. <laughs> 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 mm. All right. Well, let's actually start with this anyway. list. Anyway, <laughs> uh, number twenty, one I've never heard of, is Sierra Norte uh, Single Barrel Yellow, and I'm sure someone's screaming, "Oh my God, you've never heard of this?" But no, I have yeah. not. Yeah, it's going to happen a lot, guys. It's, yeah. It's uh, number nineteen, West Cook Glengariff. That's a lot of R's. That's like Cork. Two West R's Cork. and two F's. Oh, West Cork Glengariff series. Glengariff. Uh, Pete Pete Chard Cask. That sounds fine to me. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so Pete char the cask, Pete distill the Scott. Yeah, yeah, Pete, Pete, all the things. Number eighteen, I've seen this get shared around in our Discord a little bit. Uh, the Glendalo, thirteen year old, uh, Mizanera cask. Again. We should have looked up these names. Look, like. we don't plan ahead. That's how this works. We don't make too much sense. Uh, number seventeen is Pindaren Kelt. Pindaren Kelt. Yep, that's a great <laughs> bottle label. I like the label. It's a nice, nice red uh, griffin, hippogriff, something. Dragon? Uh, I can't tell if it's a. There's a shine on the picture, so it's. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's making me think of like Arthurian legends, so it's like like Pendragon and. Oh, I think that might be the Pendragon crest. You, I think you're right. Uh, yeah. This one. Oh, sorry. It sounds good. Now I'm I'm clicking on. I'm going on a whole rabbit hole now. Uh, it it finishes uh, Kelt in peated Isla quarter casks. Uh, that enable the sooty charcoal smoke and maritime notes to sink their claws into the fresh lemon, mandarin, and buttery, toasty aromas. Good God. Yeah. Mm. 
Sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to one. I've had a version of this one, not this actual one, but Green Spot. Uh, not hard to come by. I think you can get it at like most uh, grocery store liquor stores, like Kroger around here has it. I know Target <laughs> has it now in their liquor section. But Green Spot is just good and smooth. But Green Spot uh, Chateau sure. Montalena. Sure. Sure. Close yeah, enough. Coming in at 16. Uh, 15 is Kilochman. Kilochman Loch Gorm. We're sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Kick him in. Kick him in. Loch Gorm. I read it as kick him in first and I was like, that's not right. I know it's not. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can give like some people like a stroke at this point. <laughs> well, here we go. Uh, number 14, one we are all very familiar with. High West Double Rye. This is batch 18A23. You get a lot of batch stuff when it gets to American whiskeys and bourbons. Mm-hmm. So uh, people hey. want specific batches. I'm going to make a distillery across the street from them. Low west. Uh, low east. <laughs> right. Low east. All right. Uh, number 13, uh, Virginia Distillery Company. Uh, their Cider Cask Finished Batch 3. We talked about them earlier but, this year in a news story. Uh, it doesn't, hmm. The name tickles my brain, but not why we talked about them. This sounds delicious. Sorry, I'm reading the descriptions on a lot of these. <laughs> I'm just saying that Batch 3 put Batch 2 right out of business. Well, well tell us. Tell us what's so great about Batch 3. Uh, this one is... Uh, labeled as autumn in a glass. Yes, sold me. But uh, this is dried apples, earthy leaves, marzipan, grilled pears, and white pepper mingle with lemon herb tea, saline, and a whiff of incense. Sounds too sweet for me. I don't know. I, I, the the earthy leaves and marzipan aren't that sweet, though. Hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, so that sounds delightful. All right, well, uh, number 12 keep scooting along here 40 creek unity hmm. never heard of it nope nope all right uh scooting on number 11 little book chapter two no noe simple task it looks so fancy because it does and it's like uh, it's got a little a little something on top with like a little ribbon dangling from it it's like oh a little something something number 10 something, something. uh bell mead cask strength reserve batch number five Mm. And as we're cracking our top ten here, number that, nine, one uh, we're all familiar with, 1792, Bottled in Bond. Yeah. I've never had that. Uh, you can, the Bottled in, I don't know about the Bottled in Bond, but you can find 1792 just, yeah. just about everywhere. It's not exceedingly hard to come by. All right, uh, number eight, uh, Glenn Dronach, 15-year-old uh, Revival. A lot of scotches on this list. It'll... It's because scotch is great. I was going to say, because... Oh, you, I'm just saying, yeah. From the scotch you had last night. Oh, oh God. Uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim, who's screaming at uh, his listening device right about now. us, yeah. our pronunciation was by and brought some amazing scotches. It was really good. I oh. like to think that scotch is the IPA of the whiskey world. It's like, no, you wanted it... You, you, you like these flavors? Here's it a thousand times more. Oh, so good. All right, uh, we'll move on to number seven. Here's one that none of us are, or it's not a stranger to any of us. Lafroyig 10-year. This is the cask strength, though. Batch zero ten. So I don't know about the batch zero number. One, that or it's, it's batches in binary. Oh, I, zero, I, oh I, zero, one, zero. I was say, I don't think the Scottish uh, do, do binary. You don't know. All right, uh, number six, Americ double maturation. 
Uh, we'll move on. Number five, uh, Crown Royal Noble Collection, 13-year-old Blender's Mash. Is this the only Canadian whiskey that's... I think so. Which is kind of a travesty mm. because Casey brought some Canadian whiskeys back down and they were delicious. I mean, maybe they're like 21. <laughs> All of them. All right, uh, number four, we have Port Charlotte, 10-year-old. I like okay. that bottle. It's just a yeah. black, sleek bottle. No no idea what that actually tastes like. Uh, and our top three, here we are, the top three. According to Whiskey Advocate, uh, the top whiskeys of 2018. Number three is going to be Jack Daniels Single Barrel Jack, Heritage Jack. Barrel. Uh, haven't had it to pass judgment. I'll leave that at it, that. It better be real good to be this high up in the list. Seriously. Better be. Uh, number two. So this uh, is a very talked about one. The Knob Creek Cast Strength Rye. Mm. You, I, can, I, you can sell me on a rye, and I like Knob Creek. So I'm not about yeah. rye as much, I guess. It's it's a it's a different flavor. Like I, I'm just now starting to get to where I was like, all right, all right. Uh, I'm I'm picking up what what rye's putting down. Hmm. So. So, as uh, I think we've mentioned before, uh, Japanese whiskeys on the rise. Uh, and there is a bit of a shortage. Like they Whiskey are the rising new... in the land of the rising sun. Exactly. And it's harder to find them, and they're getting more and more expensive. And everyone keeps predicting uh, a Japanese whiskey shortage. So it is no real surprise that uh, the number one whiskey of 2018, according to Whiskey Advocate, is Nika from the Barrel. I I read that at first as uh, Nikkei. I was like, isn't that a, like an index for like a financial index? That can't be right. That's the Nikkei. Not the uh, but the, the from the barrel suggests barrel proof, uh, they say, but that's not the case. The blenders made a conscious decision to bottle at 51.4% derived from 90 British proof to deliver maximum flavor impact. Hmm. Yeah. So this was all a blind tasting, how they came up with these. Um, oh, that's... So it, it says something about that Jack Daniels one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Snuck in on that. I was like, oh. I mean, oh. I have this with some bacon. <laughs> hmm. To be fair, I'd have just about anything with some bacon. Fair. Yeah. So, yeah, those those are your top 20 whiskeys of 2018. Makes me want whiskey. You know what makes me want whiskey? What? Breathing. Just say anything. <laughs> Um, does Coca-Cola make you want whiskey? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll pour some Jack in that. <laughs> That's the only way to consume the Jack. <laughs> oh! Fact. Well, uh, speaking of Coca-Cola, they join A-Rod with steak and text-to-pay <laughs> beverage brand. All right. All right. I mean, look, good financial decisions make for strange bedfellows? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I got nothing. Uh, so Coca-Cola, uh, facing shifting shopping habits that have roiled the food and beverage industry, is taking a minority stake in Iris Nova, the company behind a cashierless New York City store where customers pay for drinks via text message. I am super on board with this. Yeah. Uh, Coke, now the startup's largest investor, led a $15 million investment round that values Iris Nova at about $60 million. Iris Nova is the maker of Dirty Lemon, a line of upscale drinks, including a recently discontinued one made with CBD, that found traction with customers on Instagram before the company launched its first retail location in Manhattan this year. 
Um, first, or for Coke, the steak gives a uh, gives it a window into a brand that has picked up customers outside of traditional retail channels, using a social media buzz and direct-to-consumer sales to drive growth. Coca-Cola is one of the most recognizable brands in the world, duh, with a massive retail presence. But for now, Iris Nova isn't looking to expand it into outlets like Walmart, Target, and Kroger, according to founder G- Chief Executive Officer Zach Normandon. Well, damn it. Yeah. Um, Iris Nova spoke to other large beverage companies and private equity firms before deciding to partner with Coke. Uh, the company hopes to be profitable by the end of next year and is targeting $100 million in sales by the end of 2021. In addition to Coca-Cola, retired New York Yankee Alex Rodriguez, actress Kate Hudson, and veteran tech executive Tim Armstrong were among the investors who took part in the funding round, according to the company. Wait, when you say Tim Armstrong, do you mean Time Bomb Tim Armstrong? Is that no one else getting the rancid reference there? Oh, wow, no. (sighs) So customers can walk into the Dirty Lemon shop called The Drugstore in New York's Tribeca neighborhood, grab a drink, and depart. They're encouraged to send text messages to the company, which then responds. New customers are asked to open an account, while existing shoppers are charged. The company says it processed about 90% of its orders via text, including those from online subscribers, since it started selling in 2015. So this is very much like um, the Amazon store in Seattle, the uh, Amazon Go, where... If you walk in, uh, everything's connected to your Prime account, and you never have to pay for like it. You get charged when you walk out the door with your stuff. Oh, okay. Like you never talk to anyone. You never have to scan anything. Like it just it it uses the location and and your account and etc. Uh, hmm. So this is somewhat similar. So like the whole cashierless thing is is definitely getting kind of big. Yeah. Um. So, I was just gonna say it's it, it's it's a neat idea just to be able just to 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 walk in there and just like all right here's my pop see ya yeah I I mean especially if you're in a hurry or something I mean that's just that's just convenient really and in New York yep. I mean you don't you can't just like drive through somewhere very easily yeah no waiting in lines just grab it and go yeah uh, so although, although it makes me wonder how I, maybe the subscription just takes into to to a fact of how much it's going to cost but it's like i just see people just leaving going like all right well i ain't paying yeah but i'm i wonder how they combat that there's got to be a way to do that you could also get... just be there there's such low cost items that who cares yeah. yeah and it could be who's wanting to run around with armfuls of this stuff yeah because after a while it's just you just start throwing things away because it's like well it's going bad or i can't get to this it's kind of like leftovers after the holidays like we've had ham and turkey and mashed potatoes piled up for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks and after a while you're like i can't keep eating like this you just push start putting it in the garbage you're like what yes you I, can you just put I them do? all between two pieces of bread and you just keep eating that's what this week has been <laughs> i'm so, saying the mashed potatoes too use that instead of mayonnaise just <laughs> it's not entirely cheap drinks i guess um so I, one of the other uh, things on here talks about the kind of drinks that they make and um, they're known for, quote, functional wellness drinks. Uh, it says you're using ingredients like charcoal, turmeric, and collagen. So a case of six 16-ounce bottles of the brand sells for $65. Uh, 
Um, Jesus. Yeah. So uh, the company Ooh. had been selling a drink made with CBD, the non-intoxicating <sighs> compound in marijuana and hemp, uh, which, you know, that's we've talked about that on the show before. Uh, but yeah. basically, uh, it says Coca-Cola has said it's studying the potential use of CBD in wellness drinks, but wants to make sure that the ingredient is safe before moving forward. Um, the decision to pull the CBD beverage wasn't the result from a uh, request from Coke, but rather a desire to make sure Dirty Lemon was in a, quote, secure place from a legal standpoint. <laughs> yeah, considering yeah. Enough, <laughs> the legality of CBD is like state by state at the moment. Yeah, it's all very questionable right now. And even even in that, you're still getting weird. Yeah. Yeah. Confusing laws that haven't been straightened out. So, yeah, going to be going to be weird. Indeed. Well, speaking of weird. Yeah. Um, so some of you may have gotten excited when they came out with the new video game, Fallout 76, and they had a special tie in with it. The Nuka Dark Rum. Oh, yes. The first the first misstep in the Fallout 76 missteps, because why did they not other, just release... Other than the game? Why did they not just release, like they did with Fallout 4, Nuka-Cola? Which, again, was harder to find than... Like, I, I hunt hard to find beers. I was never able to find a single bottle. Like, I never even saw one in the wild of the Nuka-Cola when it was sold exclusively at Target's because no Target store knew when it was coming or if they would ever get it. They're just like, I don't know, there's a shipment coming on Tuesday. Maybe you swing by then, we might have it. Well, we've got a couple articles here talking about kind of how it uh, how it played out. Uh, these... Uh, these rums boasted to be 35% alcohol, uh, and it had a collectible bottle uh, that looked like a Nuka-Cola bottle. Uh, well, and it cost $80, by the way. So people ordered the special edition Fallout Black Rum back in September. They're just now getting them. Uh, a little bit late. And, uh, yeah, apparently seems that everyone's under the assumption that the bottles were made of glass. They are made... They are not. Oh, what are they made of? I remember those promo pictures where it looked like they made them look aged and dirty, kind of like the labels were rubbed well, off a bit. Yeah, they... Uh, they are made of... Let's see, someone here, they have a post from someone's Twitter that says, the actual bottle design is a plastic shell uh plastic shell the cheap generic nuka-cola rum is stored in uh they have basically a glass bottle and then around it they just molded some plastic to it so it's just whatever generic glass bottle that fits inside of this plastic casing that looks like the nuka-cola bottle yeah um yeah it it I don't know. It's just real disappointing to see kind of how it ended up coming up. People were really upset about, you know, they spent $80 for something that they thought they were going to get, and it didn't quite work out. Uh, they got, so this is, I would say, this is the second of Fallout uh, 76 merchandise that didn't turn out that way. A lot of pre-orders because they had the special edition, which in the picture, when you pre-ordered, they're like, hey, you're going to get this big, like, tote. Can't. This big canvas bag. Yeah, it looked awesome, like a big military canvas bag. And no, that is not what got delivered, and people no. were 
pissed, and apparently that's the same thing that happened here. Yeah. Well, in addition to that, uh, someone uh, over at Paste got their hands on it, uh, and he said, after a long delay, several follow-up emails of the bottling company, his Nuka-Cola dark rum finally arrived. Uh, or rather, two bottles of dark rum, oh. of which he only ordered one, but he got both. Uh, they arrived on Christmas Eve, about six weeks after the expected launch date. Uh, and, yeah, they're talking about it did not live up to the hype. Uh, yeah, he says, the said, could it could it be good quality rums? It's the short answer is, of course, no. Alcohol, at least good alcohol, takes time. A lot more than it likely took for them to develop Fallout 76. There's very little chance Bethesda had the foresight to approach a distiller with enough lead time to properly formate quality blend and still de- uh, debut the rum within the same release window of the game. It just doesn't work that way. But a company like uh, MGP or whatever, they could have... I mean, there's someone at the ready with a lot of disposable rum that was just like, hey, we can fill. We can fill these bottles. Right. Uh, well, he said his first impression is that it was very cheap. Uh, he says uh, it's chunky, enormous, coming down to an elegant thud after each pour, and yet the plastic bottle is extremely light. Uh, so light, in fact, that it couldn't actually believe that it's lined with glass on the inside. Taste-wise, if you're a rum fan, you'll probably not be impressed. Spice is pleasantly mellow, but peters out to a weak coconut caramel flavor that leaves a film on the lips when drank straight. So. Mm. That sounds Leaves gross. a film on the <laughs> lips. Yeah. So this is painting a thick and liquid to me, and I'm just like, oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, he was hoping at the very least he'd have a neat bottle out of it and didn't even really get that. So could have been could have been a lot better, but. That is so you know. unfortunate. <laughs> God. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not surprised by any of this, really, because I am a little, but it's still I don't. I was surprised by everything having to do with that game and and how like lackluster everyone seemed to think it was. No, as it kept going, I just became more and more assured. In my thought of you know what? I'm glad I didn't decide to pre-order this. I'm <laughs> glad I didn't go for all the expensive versions of this. It's it's fine. So there's some of the things like this that uh, this is a big like buyer beware when you're pre-ordering anything. Yeah. Is they may not and likely will not deliver what you are exactly pre-ordering, which makes me weary of. So we have the uh, the it's not the same company. No, it's not the same company doing the Star Trek liquors, right? Uh, no, I think they mentioned oh, in the article yeah. Silver Screen, but I don't think that it's yeah from them. Because they've uh, they've delivered effectively. I haven't heard reviews, but there is a lot of the James T. Kirk bourbon out there, and we've also seen the Ten Forward vodka. Mm-hmm. And they just did the pre-orders, which all sold out of uh, Montgomery Scott Scotch. Because uh, we had a friend who went to pre-order it, and, like finally decided, ah, I think I'll give I'll pre-order it, and it was sold out. Yeah. So it'll be a while before that Scotch hits. But maybe someone who who's stumbled across a bottle of the James T. Kirk bourbon could tell us at some maybe. point. Maybe. Maybe. Yes. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for the news this week. Yep. Um, End of the year. It's kind of a light. Yeah, which is probably for the best. <laughs> uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we also do the weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. 
If you want, if you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show. And uh, for the next regularly scheduled show, we will see you again next Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>